You're listening to After the Encore, the music podcast that explores what happens after the music fades, what happens after the encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and this is Volume 1, The Stars at Night, Track 4, with Natalie Price. listening to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and I am here with a dear, dear friend of mine, Natalie Price. Natalie, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I am doing well. It's been a minute since we've seen each other. A few like, minutes. Like, like <laughs> Maybe like 10 years. I don't know. Nine years, eight years. Probably. 12 a dozen. I don't know. But regardless, I am super excited that you're going to be on After the Encore today because there's a lot of different directions I want to take this episode. And I'm really interested to get your perspective on a couple different topics. But first, I want to start out with what does music mean to you? Hmm. I just said something out loud the other day that I hadn't really thought about before until I said it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> and it is the idea that a melody, well, there's extraneous music that I'm hearing. Hmm. That means one thing, but the music that's coming out of me is something different too. And I think ultimately it's communication. Like it's an, it's a, it goes beyond language though. Language is important, but the melody itself is like its own language. But also for me in writing a melody kind of unstops certain thoughts and certain lyrics. So that's the most recent like aha moment for me. It's like the need to release. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And music will, it's interesting that how it releases different things in different people too. And like, I will often be seeing things in my mind. Like music mm-hmm. brings visuals to me when I hear it. Sure. And it makes me feel things of course. Right. And then when I'm writing it, it's helping me to express those things. There are often times where when I'm speaking to someone and I'm trying to get a thought across. And I think this also comes from being an artist and growing up in my own way. But I will, I will be trying to explain maybe a complex thought or problem or maybe something that seems simple, but I've got like a lot of ideas about it. And I, I have a visual in my head. And I'm like, if I could just pop you into my head or like physically print this out and give it to you, I wouldn't need to say anything else. But I'm having trouble putting words to what I'm seeing. So I think that really what you're saying really speaks to that kind of logic of like, I, I've got it and I need to find a way to put it out. 
and it like translate tran- translated a little bit. Yeah. I think it like music helps me to connect with my emotions too, because, um, I did a lot of emotional suppression growing up. Sure. So then I've had to be, get reacquainted (laughs) with normal emotions and music helps to do that. That's good. Let's talk about growing up. When was the first time you were drawn to music in a performance or writing based way? I mean, I, there are embarrassing home videos of me just like singing at the top of my lungs, <laughs> twinkle twinkle little star in like a red cowboy hat and red cowboy boots yes, and yes. a diaper <laughs> <laughs> on a rocking horse. So like <laughs> from the beginning, I've been making noise. Right. Um, and um, I was in ballet for a long time when I was a kid. And so I was performing with music. Okay. And so I was expressing through dance. Mm. And um, then my parents put me in choir um, at church. And I remember, how old was I? I think my first audition, which was terrifying, was probably fourth grade. Was it fourth grade? It might have been earlier. Um, and I was terrified. and But I was like, I want that part yeah. in this play or whatever and i want the lead Mm -hmm. and i want to sing on stage and it's going to be awesome and that's not what happened but (laughs) that was how i visualized it going you got to visualize it that's the first step (laughs) i but yeah i the audition day came i showed up on stage they the some person started playing the part on piano and i Mm. opened my mouth and nothing came out (laughs) i was so scared She's like, oh no! <laughs> and then I, you know, you get like panicky, like there's no sound coming out. Right, of my mouth. right. <laughs> They're like, come on, you know, sing. This, this is time for you to sing now. <laughs> like, oh no! <laughs> and then when I finally did, were they it was like, like vamping, like, like well, you know what I mean? They're like playing, and they're like, oh, I've they honestly stop. blanked out most okay. of it. I just remember that moment, the bright light shining in my face, and like, now's the part where I'm supposed to be singing, like right. I've been practicing, right. and I finally get. Out, oh, like that's all thank you <laughs> needless to say didn't get the part <laughs> right. i forgot the words to i've been working on the railroad when i was about the same age got up there my mom prepped me i was ready to go and i was like i've been and you know it's bad when the director sings back to you to help you and you're like oh i'm definitely not getting this part <laughs> like I, I had that moment in the like when the uh. when it went silent and the director is singing to coax me to finish. I went, he's just being nice. This is oh, all Oh, you over. knew that? As yeah. A, oh, like, like you knew. Like okay. I could just I could just tell I was like, no way I'm getting this. And I really wanted to just be like, thank you. I think if I was like now 32, I would have been like, you know what? I think we're good here. Uh, have a good day. And I would have just seen You're myself. Like, Never up. mind. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're <laughs> all just in agreement. on my way to the vending machine and thought it'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Uh, it didn't go as planned. So, <laughs> but instead, fourth grade just for stand up there in the bright light. So I, I feel your struggle. I feel your pain. But I think that's that's fascinating. So did you ever get another part? <laughs> yes, that's a good place to go. Um my my pre Austin career is pretty disappointing. Okay. Um I've I think I auditioned for most parts, most leads and stuff mm-hmm. in junior high, high school. And I never really got any solos, actually. Yeah. Like, I'd, 
I was on like the inquire like in high school, like the vocal team or whatever. So right. like we're actually up on a mic as right. opposed to the general populace oh, of the yeah, yeah, yeah. choir. But like the there were solos reserved for like I still had problems projecting even then. Interesting. So and I have a pretty soft voice, so right. I just wasn't comfortable belting things. Yeah. Had you had any any type of voice training or any or was it all kind of self taught? I mean you I know you said you had been in choir for a while. But it was mostly, I think I'd had one set of lessons mm-hmm. for like probably a semester or something. Sure. And I was still pretty scared yeah. to do stuff. And, um, I, it took, it has taken me a really long time to know my voice and I feel like I'm still getting to know it. Yeah. And part of it is just becoming more comfortable with myself and becoming less scared about certain things and sure. also just getting to know my voice better. Yeah. So I just didn't really know my voice and didn't know. Yeah. What I could do or was allowed to do. I was very much in my head and in a box. Sure. Well, I think it's hard to to kind of break out of certain boxes that we put ourselves in, whether that's voice or performance or whatever the case may be. And I think you tell yourself maybe because of external voices or maybe I'll give you an example. Um, I think a lot of times, and this is going to, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think a lot of times kids used to grow up, I think in like our age or their parents may say, Oh, we're not math people or we're not performance people. We're not artists. We're, we're this and this. And so you kind of get taught from an early age. I'm, I'm not that. Yeah. And so when you start to show a little bit of gift or natural inclination towards whatever the thing is that you were told, we're not these people, then you start wondering, that's a little weird. Like, Am is this I okay? ac- am I yeah am I actually good at this is this okay is there more am I just using like 5% and I think you start kind of finding yourself in whatever avenue that is I think for you it, you know you put yourself in this box and you're you're starting to like kind of maybe even recently like starting to branch out of that and and start realizing there's more here there's there's a lot more here and it's both kind of maybe exciting and a little like nervous like ooh how how far can it go yeah, it was definitely because my family's not, I mean, there are artistic people in my family, but that's not how, like, my parents identify. Even though they right. both have artistic things that they've done, my dad was in architecture and he can draw, mm-hmm. like, the man can draw. Um, and they were both in band growing up and stuff, but um, they don't go see live music. Like, we never did that Sure. growing up. So, like, there's not really an like an excitement or appreciation for live music as much um which maybe is changing a little bit now that i've become pretty heavily involved in it like my dad asked me to come play at his birthday party (laughs) i was like shocked and like i felt so honored too i was like wow y'all don't do this like (laughs) okay yes yeah of course like a house concert type thing yeah (laughs) yeah so it's just i it took me a while to realize i'm just really different from my parents in this way and that's okay and it's nothing like it's not bad or wrong for right. on for either party for them to be very um i don't know how to what words to use like, but like um, firstborn type a like yeah. practical minded like right yeah yes we don't very practical this is what we spend and don't spend our money on right. kind of people and this right. is what is worth and not worth your time right. like and like music is great but like come on yeah it's a game it's right. that, that was what i not the impress. That's what I absorbed. Sure. Even if that's not what someone said to me, 
So like ever wanting to do anything with music was not considered a real thing. Sure. Or that's maybe not what they said to me, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. And so that's what I thought for a long time is and, that yeah, it's and, not a real thing that people can do. People like me right. can do. So. And you're, you're absorbing this in your most impressionable phase, you know, all the time growing up. And so you're just soaking it in like, okay, this is, this is how, this is how one lives life. And this is not what one does if one wants to be successful. Yeah. And if, well, I had a lot of brothers and sisters. And so I felt like there, there's six of us. So I felt like everybody had a role in a thing that you could be or not be. And it was like, you would choose the role. Like I actually thought my sister would be the singer. Yeah. And she was in the theater person. Like she was always like in all the plays and always singing at the top of her lungs and taking piano lessons. (laughs) My brother was like the sports guy. And then like each sibling had like a different thing. And I was like the practical one slash smart one or whatever. And so I'd pour myself into those things. Plus you were the firstborn too. So yeah, I just didn't think that there could be two artists. Right. Like I didn't know that you could, I could also (laughs) That I was allowed to be that because she, she was so much more boisterous than right. I was. Anyways, yeah. She drew that occupation card in the game of life. Yes. So you were and left she, with the other one. Yeah. I was like, there's not more than one artist card. <laughs> nope, no. like, she got it first. And I was like, dang it. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's interesting. So like kind of on, on, on those lines, let's talk a little bit about, you had touched on your kind of suppression of your emotions and now you're starting to break out of that. So talk me through what that process was like growing up now that you're looking back, maybe not in the moment you realize like you're suppressing emotions and and whatever, but what is, walk me through kind of what you meant by that. Unpack that for me a little bit. Well, I remember my, one of my parents saying something in hindsight, that's pretty innocuous, but I took it a specific way. (laughs) And I remember, um, it was probably a positive emotion. Like, Oh, I'm really happy about, or I'm really excited about this thing. And I told, I'm just not specifying which parent. Um, I expressed, yeah, yeah, I expressed this emotion in the extremity of it. Like, Oh my gosh, I'm so, I think it was a positive thing. Sure. I'm so happy about blah. I'm so excited about it. And their response was, well, you can't trust your emotions. And so like, and it just kind of stopped. First of all, it like killed the emotion that I had right then. I was like, whoa, like as if I felt like almost reprimanded, like I shouldn't be feeling this feeling. And then I like, like pushed back internally and like, cause it kept like sitting on me like that idea. And I was like, well, wow, if I can't trust my emotions, I don't really want to have anything to do with them. Sure. Like I want something that I can trust and rely on. Right. And so, and I realized that's a complex statement to make to a a kid. Like you can't trust your emotions. Like, okay. Because that's a layered statement. But I think part of that is, that is true, but also (laughs) like a kid doesn't understand that. Right. So I took it to mean that emotions are bad, like wrong. And like, I should experience as few as possible (laughs) or as, or my feelings should be small. Right. And so I spent a lot of time like, um, not verbalizing my, my feelings, Mm. um, not expressing them. And even my face, like kind of going stony faced most of the time. Sure. And I was like, you're, you're in my interaction was probably only at church because that was, how we that know each is other accurate yes and i don't know that i even like ever smiled at church like i feel like i was the stony-faced wallflower 
that like <laughs> you know might have had a crush on this one guy for like five years and in hindsight realized he was like showing off and stuff and i'm just like roll my eyes and like right be stony face <laughs> right. and i'm like oh wow he was totally like trying to flirt with me <laughs> like anyways yeah. that kind of stuff like i just right. stony face like i i uh, in control trying right. to be in control of peek, everything peek behind the curtain i i Yes, to everything you said. I, I constantly, I mean, I, I think we are polar opposites because I am learning how to kind of rein in a lot of my emotions. And I was wildly emotional, you know, far extremes all the time. And it came from a place of like, you know, I, no one, maybe somebody should have told me you can't trust your emotions, but, but I, uh, you know, I was kind of all over the place. And so I always try and get a read on people and be like, do they like me? Do they not? Cause I feel like people either like me or they don't. And I, every time I would talk to you, I'm like, I don't know. I don't get a feeling either way. I'm just going to kind of back up. Oh, me? Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. funny. So I was just like, okay, well, I think we're cool. Uh, I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> it's okay. Most people didn't talk to me. And it was like my own problem. Like I was also very lonely mm. and it was a sort of like a, a vortex of like psych, a downward cycle sure. of like, I didn't even want to go to church at one point because of the hundred kids our age in the youth group, yep. zero of them I felt like I could sit next to in church. Well, to be fair, I will echo that I felt the same. And I think what's interesting to me is that, I mean, I constantly felt that way and man this is not about me but here we go <laughs> but i i constantly was feeling lonely and alone and that i needed like several friends that i could trust and i never felt that way that i had that and so for me my reaction was to then be the fun one be the one that people want to be around so that way i'm i don't get abandoned kind of a thing oh, you know interesting. what i mean and so i think we had similar feelings but in different ways and then worked them out differently. Right. I didn't know how. And here we are in our thirties, you know, <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I turned out okay, but yeah, it took a same. little bit of time to yeah, like, <laughs> like figure out what am I scared of? Right. Cause a lot of it was just fear. Yeah. And like girls have so many other layers of like things that they have to deal with in junior high specifically, right. but Ugh. so many clicks and stuff, but especially at church. It's so sad. I just, I just remember that like one like day, I, need to say. I know that makes me, that's so sad, but also very true. Mm -hmm. So like, I, <laughs> this is just going to be very pitiful, but I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so like there was one day where I realized that like I had not a horrible life, but like my situation being in church was like very lame because like I'd walk into that auditorium, which was huge. Yeah. And there's like the designated space for the youth. Cause yep. yeah. And I like House looked right. around, <laughs> I looked around, there's like, um, nobody to sit with that I felt like would even let me sit next to them. Fair. And I was like, well, I don't really, I'm tired of sitting by myself. I don't want to sit by myself anymore. And then I was like, the other option was to go sit with my parents. And I was like, yeah. that would be so much worse. <laughs> and so I sat <laughs> I might be to be cooking, fair, sorry. to be fair, that is the feeling of everyone in there. <laughs> I was like, that would be not so your parents, much. their parents. Well, yeah, I was like, that would be so them. much worse than sitting by myself. <laughs> I sat by myself, like on the second row, because of that. Oh. I was like, yeah, um, you'd at least sit in the far back. Yeah, I just didn't want it to be like rubbed in my face. Everyone who had people to sit next fair. to. You're like, I'm consciously choosing to sit up here. Yeah, and I, I remember saying a prayer. And I was like, God, will you just send someone to sit next to me? 
And then lo and behold, like these two or three like seniors, I'm in seventh grade, I think they came and sat next to me and I started like bawling in the middle of like the gospel songs. Yeah. I was like, that's both amazing. And just a little sad. I mean, it's like very sweet of God. Right. And was like very sad that that was like my, I'm like praying just for anybody to church. come sit next you to me. You pray for anything. I know. Like, please just send it's someone to sit next to me. Oh, it's all good. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, man. I'm like having trouble because I'm thinking about like, I'm putting faces to like names, even if it's not the same faces. And that's what's making me like laugh about things. The listeners don't care about that. But I want to know, before we go into this first break, I want to know... When do you think, or hmm, how do I want to frame this? Were you homeschooled the whole time? Through junior high. Okay. And then I went to a private okay. school for so, high school. Okay. So this is what I want to say. Do you think when you made the shift that that started to help, or did you find you were encountering different layers of emotional stuff to work through. Oh, you mean emotionally? Yeah. Specifically with emotions. Right. Specifically. Yep. Um, Making the shift from being at home to now being, going to like a a private school or regular school. I mean, I feel like my internal emotional damage was already done. (laughs) Sure. And like it, my high school is so hard. I, I just studied all the time. Yeah. Like I just, and I, I uh, had a kind of an interesting high school experience because I lived 45 minutes away. Okay. So I wasn't really near friends. Sure. So like I'd okay. see them at school and I loved it. I love being around people and being able to complain about the same test. Right. Or the same teacher. Right. Um, and so I had people to talk with and see every day and sit next to and whatever. And I loved it. Um, but I still had that shell that I'd built. Right. The em- like the emotional shell or whatever that was like right. wall I was like keeping them in check or at bay or whatever. It took me a very, very long time, like even beyond college to like realize what was happening when I started, it was actually going through like a season or two of depression. And like, why do I feel so numb? Like, Mm -hmm. I wish I could feel something Mm -hmm. like I'm tired of feeling numb. Right. And I realized like, Oh my gosh. Um, and I, it, it worked its way out in a song that I wrote maybe two years ago. And it, the song is called, um, I will choose to feel, and, um, I, it wasn't until I wrote that, that it, even then that I, it all kind of like, I, I've been on this journey to like, right. let myself feel emotions, right. but, um, yeah, it, it, I just didn't realize for a long time what I was doing and gotcha. it, and I realized and was able to express it in a song later. But what I had been learning is that when you suppress all of your emotions and keep them in check in, in check or at bay or whatever, and you just, for me, I built a stony face, mm-hmm. um, so that was hard to read me read what was really happening. I didn't want people to know if I was hurt because I felt like that was being vulnerable. Like they had power over me, you know, like if I, and you need to be, you said something to me and I started crying. Right. (laughs) Like, um, I would feel like that was some kind of power that you had over me or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very twisted stuff. But I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, once you keep press all of that down, like you're, you're allowed to do that. But when you do that, you don't just suppress that emotion. Like I, in a long time I thought like things like being angry, I thought being angry is wrong. Mm. Like, I feel like that was kind of, I don't know if that was actually taught in church, but that's what I 
was well, I absorbed right, right, from right, church right, 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 right. that it was bad to be angry. Mm-hmm. And so I would keep that at bay too. Like I'd suppress, suppress, suppress. Sure. And so like when you do that long enough, you then you can't feel anything. Right. Like you, you're numb. So it took me a while to figure out like, why do I keep dealing with this numbness? Why can't I? Right. <laughs> what? Oh, because I've like right. disabled all right. of my emotions. So right. it's been a an interesting journey to just be more comfortable with my emotions and like, cool, if I'm going to cry, like it's okay to cry. And you know, if I, if it's an inappropriate place to cry, like just step into a restroom or step right and step in my car and just let yourself do whatever you need to do, like to feel it because that feeling, while maybe you can't trust it like that because I'm angry, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be angry about a situation, but my response is anger. Yeah. Like that's still a real feeling. Right. And like, it's okay to feel that. Yeah. And then like, let it burn out of you. <laughs> like just, yeah. So it's been an interesting I get. layered journey. Welcome back to After the Encore. I am your host, Joe Shaw. And Natalie, I want to talk about when you realized you were a musical superstar. Today, right? This is the moment. No. <laughs> when, Excuse me. When, when did you pick up the guitar, start singing, and go, I want to really dig down deep into this and see how far it can go? Well, it was probably when I started loving music more. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a very limited selection of music growing up and I didn't really love any of it. (laughs) And, um, it wasn't really until, well, so in junior high, I kind of heard a boy band and it was like different music. Like I'd never really listened to pop and like it actually, I resonated with it. (laughs) I I was like, wow, I feel things (laughs) back to the feelings. And I was like, it's like an inspiring feeling or whatever. And I was like, wow, whatever that is, I want more of that. Right. And, um, I didn't understand how bands worked or what boy bands were. Or I was like, you know, all daydreaming about joining a boy band and like not realizing by definition that's right. like <laughs> I'm not included. Be in like, that. wait a minute. <laughs> um, but uh, I that the way that those songs made me feel, just hearing them for the first time and getting really into them and memorizing them and knowing them and going to a concert and whatever, like doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and. So it was really me kind of discovering music that I liked for the first time. And so that kind of happened for me with a pop sound. Um, and that was in junior high. And then I, my grandmother actually gifted me my first guitar in ninth grade. I hadn't really played any. I'd tried to play flute and that failed. I was not motivated to practice and it just. A flautist. There's no way to, you know, I think it's because I also like to sing and there's yep. just no way to, well, it yep. seemed like there was no way to right. be both. I know, realize that Lizzo can figure out how to well, do that. Yes, but, but we, we can't all be. <laughs> we can't all twerk like Lizzo. Right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it 
that was, I guess, the first instrument. Well, I didn't even, I tried to learn it and I failed because it, I thought that it was impossible to learn because my fingers were like basically bleeding. Because mm. it, it was, the tension was really high and steel strings, I didn't know what I was doing. Trying to teach myself wasn't working. So I took, ended up taking classical guitar in 10th grade. And gotcha. that's when I like connected in a way that I could like, actually write on guitar. Um, whereas before, like I'd write songs, but like without an instrument, like mm-hmm. I would just make up melodies, have words and right. voila. But I was daydreaming about doing something big when I discovered pop for the first time. Okay. And so that was like in junior high. Gotcha. But I was like too shy, again, going back to the right. shy thing, to like really do anything about it. Right. Um, was it more of like a, an outlet, I guess, because we talked about music being an outlet earlier, right? And getting the emotions out and really working through some complex thoughts. But I wonder, was this a necessary first step to really kind of undo some of the stuff you had already done I think I don't think there what am I trying to say I think what I'm trying to say is I don't know if there was ever a situation in which you could have just gone like full full court press right to the front of the stage I think you had to kind of spend some time working working it with took it, me you know a while to get yeah for sure for me and my story it took me a little while to like get through some of the stuff that I unintentionally trapped myself in hmm. and so um and for a long time, I was shy and just scared. And I, I didn't, like, not to my parents' fault, but again, like, that was not really a thing they considered an actual thing. It's right. like, it, it seems like to me it was more of their perception is that it's a game. This is not a real thing you would ever do for a job. Right. Like, so it was not something that they took seriously. And so I felt like I wasn't allowed to take it seriously. And um, I'm also the oldest of six kids. So, like, yeah. with, like, I, we had to be really strategic who's going to do what and where because right. there's only two drivers and yeah. one of them has a nine to five kind right. of a thing. So yeah. it's like, and we only had, or we only had two cars or whatever. Like how do yeah. you, so just like the dynamics of a big family also made it like, I'm not the most important thing in my family. Like I don't get everything I want and I defer yeah. to the crowd. And so like, there's just a lot of dynamics going on and things I had to work through. And so even in college, college was the first time that started doing like outward music things and like kind of overcoming some of those fears. Right. Like I didn't even play an open mic until after college. Did you graduate what? Oh, nine, 10. Yeah. Okay. Um, I went to probably in 2012, I went to New Jersey and played a little. Really? Just on vacation, just for kind of, I had connected with a band on Twitter Okay. and I'd convinced them to come down to Austin to go to South by and play at South. Sure. And I was doing photography at the time and I like mm. shot all their interviews and oh, everything. Oh, okay. Sure. And then I had helped fund their Kickstarter. Oh, nice. And they are like, well, if you're ever in Jersey, come record and it's on us. Oh, nice. And uh, I was like, funny story, I'll be there in a month because my friends were going on vacation to Gamble in Atlantic City. Gotcha. And I was like, I don't really gamble. Yeah. Um, also, I suck at it. Um, I think everybody well, does, but that's a lie that some people tell themselves to get to the next night. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, they gambled, and I rented a car and drove to northern New Jersey. And you gambled with your career. Yeah. There's and the three <laughs> recorded a song with them that I don't have proof of anymore. So oh, like, no. I It's okay. I didn't love where it was going, cause I, but I just didn't know what I wanted either. Sure. And they were like, you're going to play that song tonight at our open mic, right? Because it's downstairs. Like, they lived right above the bar. Oh. And I was like, no. And they convinced me. They are like, well, you I didn't have a guitar that plugged in. You can play my guitar. I'm like, oh, right. my gosh. I'm running out of excuses. <laughs> yeah. So they – and uh, it was fine. It was really well received. I was too scared to play a second one. I was like, bye. Um, and then after, I was like, why was I so scared? Like, yeah. 
I had to go all the way to New Jersey and play at a little bar to figure out that this is not as scary as I thought it was. Okay. Still kind of scary. Like, I'm still yeah. nervous. But, like, so, like, bit by bit. Do you think the part that you were in, New, the fact that you were in New Jersey and nobody outside the band knew who you were helped to allow you to, like, all right, fine. I'm not going to see any of these people again. Yeah, in a way. I mean, I, somewhere, I thought I had a video of it. I might be able to still find it. I looked for it the other day and I couldn't find it, so I don't know mm-hmm. what happened to it. But there's a video and I watched myself and I was like, that wasn't bad. <laughs> yeah. That's always <laughs> a like, nice experience. <laughs> yeah. Like I, it was fine. Like I just, I don't know what I was scared of. Yeah. But there's something you build up in your mind. Yeah. And then like, yeah. So. So now, so when did you, you moved to Austin, what, 20, 2012 around um, that time? I think I actually moved in 2010. Okay. Just to change it up. What drew you to, I mean, us, us Texans know that Austin is the cool, weird, interesting part of Texas. Maybe other, I think other places in the country know that now. But what yeah. drew you to want to move from Dallas to Austin? Well, I was, I had been working at this camp every summer of college, mm-hmm. and I noticed that they needed some real help with graphic design and photography and stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. how about? I'll volunteer part time mm-hmm. and I'll get another job and I will do this stuff for you so that you know how great it is and that you will hire me right. to do this for right. you. So I was trying to like work myself into a job. Yep. It did not really work out the way I envisioned it. I left after a couple of years, kind of became a toxic work environment. Mm. And, uh, but the cool thing is that those two years I was like on the outskirts of town, I've been driving into town. I like found a church that I liked and I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in the city that I love. Mm. And, the scenery is gorgeous. There's music everywhere. Yeah. And like, I was also getting to know myself as a musician, like letting myself know myself as a musician and right. not holding back. Right. And so, yeah, I, I fell in love with Austin in that way. Yeah. So it, music didn't bring me there. Like I was trying to like a job, but yeah, music is what has kept me there. Right. For sure. So let's talk about when you started through the fog. What was the, your EP? What? Right? That's the name of it? Yes. Okay, you good. It. I was no, like, you had this face where I'm like, oh, is it into the fog? Is it without the fog? No, I don't know. <laughs> it's through the fog. Okay, you're okay, good. Okay, okay. You're right on. What, what was the catalyst for you to start working on that? Because you, oh, actually, maybe even before we get there. So you're in Austin. Were you play, Were you starting to play regularly before you even started that record? Or what was, walk yes. me through that whole process. Um, Regular is kind of a there's been like some significant shifts and it's hard for me to remember anything before those shifts. But I do know that I started playing sporadically at open mics after the New Jersey thing in 2012. Okay. Um, and I was still scared, but like making myself play open mics for the most part, I didn't really have, I don't know that I really had shows. I did start to um, play weekly or a couple once a month or something at this one little bar. They'd have a singer songwriter night Mm -hmm. and it was like, okay, but there wasn't really a built-in crowd. So I was basically singing to the bartenders. Sure. Um, which is fine. Everybody needs that right. in, uh, in their um, experience. Right. But I was really like uh, uh, maybe kind of arrogant about it. Like I should be blah, blah, blah or right, whatever, right. which doesn't make sense looking back. But that's how I felt about it. I think everybody feels that way. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so there were different stages like that, that um, I was doing in Austin. Yeah. I don't know if I answered your question. No. So you were, so you're playing like sort of regularly at different places, like with mm-hmm. different shifts, but what caught, what was the starting point for this record? Um, I've wanted to record ever since I 
started liking music. Sure. So that's been like 15 years okay. or something. Yeah. And so mainly it's been money that's held me back. Cause I'm like, who has a grand to throw at a song? No like, would. I mean, not any millennial I know. Right. And so, cause millennials don't really have a savings for right. the most part. <laughs> right. the, most people yep. that I know now people are kind of starting to get into it, but because us millennials realize that there's no savings. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> um, and I worked really non-traditional jobs. And so yeah. like there was no 401k or any kind of right. insurance or benefits. Um, so it, I, I guess it, a big shift happened. Like I've had songs that I like, uh, bones in the dirt on the album. I wrote that in 2012. Okay. So like I've had that song in my for pocket like a for a while. Yeah. Um, but I didn't have the money to record it. I didn't right. have the means to make it happen. Sure. Um, some of it was because I was too scared to know anybody in the music and well, not in the, the Austin music scene. Right. Like I didn't really know how to network or know how right. to meet people. Yeah. And so, um, in tw- 2017, 2016, well, I got like a, a big girl job or whatever, as they say in 2016. <laughs> and so like I work nine to five thirty, mm-hmm. Monday through Friday. Um, and I was still frustrated. I was like, cool, all my bills are paid for and I'm not sweating. Right. Like how come I don't have a savings? How come I can't right. do this thing that I've resisted getting the job for so long yep. and I've done everything else to be able to be an artist or whatever and right. not been able to afford it. Now I have this job with insurance and benefits and a 401k, whatever. And I still can't do it. I don't have the money to do it. And so like I broke down in 2017 and I was like deciding which expletives to not use. How the F do people make it in Austin? I'm like having an expletive filled conversation with the Lord, like praying, pray yelling at the Lord, like weeping. (laughs) Like how the F do people make it in this town? I don't get it. And, um, in the middle of that conversation, like he had me print off my bank statements and I like, just like that day, like, and I was like, cool, I'm going to make the last couple payments on my car now. And I like paid off my car and mm-hmm. I'm like, got two other jobs and like said goodbye to my social life for the most part <laughs> and like, like made a couple of changes in my, um, like I was doing, giving to some charities and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, I'm not asking you to give to charities. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. I'm going to stop right, it. Right. And like, just in those shifts alone, I think I regained like 500 mm-hmm. back into my monthly wow. pool. And so that on top of getting a job and not being out, like I'm yeah. not, you know, not minimum wage, but like a $10 an hour job. Right. I'm like, cool. Four hour shift and making a little under forty bucks a night, yep. but I'm also not going out and spending forty bucks. So right. that's so about you're, eighty. You're netting positive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, all right, and just like throwing everything at my account, and like, lo and behold, like my goal is six grand because yep. it's five songs, mm-hmm. and all of I tried to buffer and all that. I estimate to be about twelve hundred dollars a song. Nice. Well, and that's a good place to stop it. We'll be right back with more after the encore. Am I allowed to die?
Welcome back to After the Encore. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and Natalie is diving into, through, not in, or without, or clearing out, through the fog. True. <laughs> so your goal was six grand, yeah. right? Because there's five songs, a grand a song, right? Yeah, I buffered uh, like 200 per song because I, I wanted through. to pay for all of it. Like right. I needed to get it mastered and mixed and those mm-hmm. costs yeah, extra yeah. per track. Um, so... I broke down in October 2017, made all of the financial changes, got another job or two or three at one point. And by the end of that year, so like within 12 weeks, like by the end of December, I was at 50% of my goal. I had three Mm. grand. Um, And um, I knew when I was at 75%, I was going to schedule the studio time. And so I ended up scheduling studio time at the end of January. I was at 75%. Oh, wow. And I was at 100% by the time I went in the studio in March. Nice. Like, I think I finished in February. Okay. And so I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, wow, five months ago I was weeping in my bedroom. Right. And now I have six grand. So, <laughs> I mean, it took a lot of work. But <laughs> Yeah. So I've wanted to do it, but, like, there are some really dramatic shifts where, like, I think part of me was afraid of some of the work. Like, I yeah. knew it would take that to get it. And I was, like, maybe not ready to right. buy in. I was like, I really won't have much time for anything else. Like right. if I yeah. do this yeah. thing and, yeah. but I was like, how do you want it or not? Yeah. And so I was like, no, I want it. So like, I'm in, I'm in. So like I committed in October of 2017 and like stuff started happening after that. Yeah. So that's the cool thing is yeah. that like when someone, when you kind of own up to who you are and you commit to something, you're actually in, that's when stuff kind of starts falling into place. Yep. That's true. There was a, oh, I'm going to butcher this quote, but. We have computers right in front of us. <laughs> well, no, it was uh, it was a misquote. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and it's basically saying um, that you, like anybody, any uh, anybody can have an idea to do something, right? Mm-hmm. But it's like you, man, this is terrible. Basically saying anybody can have the idea. It's not just having the idea. You've got to have the idea and say, cool, I'm going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And then you'll make it happen. And I think it goes back to kind of what we're talking about, about how do you quantify success? Mm -hmm. And so I think this is the quote that I was really trying to get at. I was like trying to remember. But I heard this woman say not too long ago that she said, everybody has luck every single day. The people that are the most successful are the ones that recognize what the luck is in the moment. And then lean into it. Mm-hmm. She said, she said, luck can be getting a big break at, you know, getting a gig you want or a job you want or whatever. She's like, but m- most of the time we get little tiny bits of luck all throughout the day and we're just not cognizant enough of it. And she's like, when you are and you take advantage of it, then you're really in tune with like yourself and the world around you. And then you're able to make what you want happen, happen. Yeah. I can see that. Like opportunity really right like that's really what she was getting at is like you know you have to recognize the opportunity you're given and then one of the things i tell like i tell people that i heard and i don't remember who said it but it was like luck is the result of opportunity and hard work yeah that's the thing i was literally about to say that like (laughs) yeah opportunity like you might have talent but if you have no opportunity like you where are you going to go with it right but at the same time you have this opportunity and you don't do anything with it. You don't do any of the work. It falls flat. Right. Like the balloon pops, whatever. Right. So I'm like, yeah, like some of it's just like 
um, like I'm going to go and play a restaurant gig when I get back to Austin mm-hmm. and, um, probably going to make zero dollars in tips and, um, it's going to be hot cause we're going to be outside and it's August when we're recording this and like it's, but I invited a songwriter friend in and I don't get to play with him very often. And mm-hmm. so we're just going to have fun on stage Yeah. and there, I believe that there's something good in showing up. There's a date on my website. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh yeah, she's playing, she's active. There's something I can post on social media and mm-hmm. it's not a lie. Like it's not something I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work. I'm right. showing up and I'm doing the thing. Right. And I'm that particular gig, I don't feel like it's going to bring me a whole <laughs> lot personally, Right. but I will get a free meal yep. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they are going to give me some money right. and, um, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm choosing to believe that there are things that will benefit me from playing that show. Right. And I have, I do have at least one story where I've played one, just like the, the worst setup where like you are basically background music at a brewery and it, there's this artist event going on artisans all over the mm-hmm. place and people are just talking and nobody's looking at you nobody's really listening and like i'm playing it because i'm playing with this really fantastic instrumental like this drummer and i've just wanted to play with him mm-hmm. and like we have fun and we do a thing and you know make zero dollars and then like a couple weeks later, somebody from CBS is like, Hey, saw you at that show and really want you to come play on TV. And that show, (laughs) (laughs) like the one where nobody was listening. Like, Oh my gosh. Like who would have thought? So I just choose to see that. Yeah. Unless it's, you know, you're putting your life in danger to go play a show or something. Like Like, I, I try to keep playing gigs that I'm not really going to get a whole lot out of because I'm choosing to believe that it keeps me sharp to be on stage in front of people. And if you can win over a restaurant who did not come to see you, by the way. Yeah. What do you see on the horizon for you? Like the reality, like what's going to happen or like what I want to happen. Maybe a little bit of both. (laughs) Um, well, my plan is to take music as far as I can take it. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, there's no reason why I can't take it farther. And so that's a pretty cool place to be. Like, there's nothing necessarily holding me back. Like, I'm a single person in Austin. Right. And, um, I mean, like, I have a stable job. So, right. like, there's there's limitations <laughs> right. to that. But, right. like, yeah. I've made commitments to this company. Right. But, like, um, I'm going to submit my album to the Grammys. Yeah. I don't know. This is the year of taking big shots for me. I'm kind of like, go big or go home. Like, I'm submitting myself as a showcasing artist to every single festival that I can find because I want to play festivals. Yeah. I made that because this is my resume. Yeah. This is me, the full band. And this is what I can bring to your stage at your festival. Mm -hmm. And you should hire me because it's awesome. And so I got into my first festival and it's a smaller one. It's not a full band festival. Mm -hmm. It's a songwriting festival, but like I'm psyched about it. I'm super excited because I'm going to meet 40 other songwriters and I'll be That's hanging out awesome. on stage with three of us, three, four of us at a time, yep. swapping songs. And then we'll go to another stage and with four other people and swap more songs. And I'm going to get to know the songwriters and maybe we'll tour together and play shows together. I want to go as far as I can go with it. I don't know. Yeah. I might not ever be famous and that's fine, but I know that I'll be writing and singing until I die. And it goes back to that question of how do you quantify success? And I think you just this, did. Yeah. This album is a success. Yep. Like this is a physical product in my hand mm-hmm. that I worked my tail off <laughs> 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 to, 
to yeah. do. And, you know, I, this is blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. And I think it's pretty dang good. Like It, it is. I would use other words. I don't know what words I'm allowed to use on You're this You're allowed to use all words. People have already used all okay. words. Okay. So. Well, I was <laughs> like, well, I, I have, like, lost sleep over this album because I've been working. Mm-hmm. And, like, I hired people that I think are the best people to work with that I can afford. I, and I just would earn more money if, or like make more money and right. save it if I needed more to work with better people. So like, these are the people that I chose and the photographer I chose for it, the graphic designer I chose for mm-hmm. it is all very intentional yep. and I'm very proud of it. And that to me is a huge success. Yep. It, people don't really do CDs anymore, but no. I'm like, I'm doing a freaking CD because yep. I need it in my hand yep. to prove to myself I did the thing. Right. And you know, it, it, no, I'm not probably not going to, I don't know if I'm going to put it in stores. Like I, I can, there's a barcode, but, right. but um, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Like I have proof. Yeah. I did a thing. And to me, that's a huge success. And I think so many times when we're talking about <clears throat> not everybody does it, like everybody can, it's finishing the task, seeing it through. Yeah. And I think so many times what I think about constantly, which may or may not be a healthy thing, whatever, <laughs> is like, what is my legacy going to be? You know, when I die, I think that's a good thing to think about. What 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 are people going to remember me by, and what am I going to leave for other people to discover? And so, for me, it's highly important that not only I create something artistic, but I finish it and leave it out there for consumption. Yeah. And whether or not I'm pleased with it, it doesn't matter because it's going to be a value to somebody somewhere at some time. And that knowing that, and then also having people speak to that, like you were saying about like CBS, like recognizing you is huge. And for me, that's how I quantify success. And I think it's so amazing that like, you've got this physical album here. It's done. Like you can't change that anymore. It is what it is. Yep. There it is. And, and that's just amazing. What is, I know we've talked about lots of advice and lots of things, but is there one piece of life advice that really speaks to you that you like to lean on? perhaps a mantra (laughs) my mantra this year has become this is the year of taking big shots Mm -hmm. so like because you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take and so like why not enter into the grammys (laughs) like why not (laughs) if you don't get it you're not any worse off yeah exactly literally exactly where you there's no like i already nobody knows who i am it's not like i'm less known like for doing the thing um like i'm applying to every festival i hear about yeah and like i intend to get into them but i I can't really force that to happen but i'm never going to get in if i don't submit no. You know, an entry. Yeah, absolutely. I'm entering song contests. And I'm like, my songs might not be the kind of songs that win song contests, which would be fine. But like, you never know. Yeah. My, my song might strike a chord <laughs> with someone <laughs> and uh, nice. it might be on the right day or whatever. Mm. And, right. you know, who knows? Yeah. But like, it's putting yourself out there. And like, even if a thing is imperfect, I've started trying to get better at even unfinished or like rough songs, like sharing them because mm-hmm. I'm like, they, they're not finished maybe, but right. giving it a chance at life. And yeah. Maybe I'll never play it again or maybe I'll change it dramatically, but getting comfortable with like an imperfect product. Right. Absolutely. So like perfectionism will kill it. Yeah. So like you have to ship it out at some point and yeah. just at least get it out. You change it later and stuff, but like at least mm-hmm. get, if you don't finish art, there's nothing left for anyone to see. Right. I think, I think it was Mark Rothko that said it. 
the artist, the painter, and I could be wrong, but I feel like it was Mark Rothko who said, you never finish a painting, you just walk away. Yeah. You you, you never finish writing paper, you just turn it in. Right. There's um, a book called Making Things Happen. Uh, is it Scott Belsky? Does that sound right? Sure. Or Seth Godin? I read two books by both of them, or two books, and they were the authors, and I get them confused sometimes okay. the titles. But one is Making Things Happen, and it, I think it was in that book where it was talking about it gave like a mathematical equation. It's like, cool. So let's say that you, Joe, are 100% creative, mm-hmm. 0% productive. That equals 0% output. <laughs> but, Joe, if you are just 10% creative and 90% productive, you've output 10 now compared to the 100% genius over here who produces <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yep. And, that, like, there's yeah. more living in the world that you've created and shipped out as a result of just taking the little that you have, being faithful with it, finishing it, putting it out there. Right. So like even this podcast, like you're doing a thing and you're putting it out there and it's going to exist as long as digital things exist. Yep. (laughs) And that's a beautiful thing. Yep. Very nice. Well, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I have a website. Pretty much everything is under Nat Price Music. N-A-T-P-R-I-C-E. Yep. Music. N-A-T-P-R-I-C-E music. Um, that's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and that's my website too, natpricemusic.com. Okay. Perfect. Well, here to play us out one more time, Natalie Price.
podcast is powered by Roberts Media Group, your resource for podcast development. For more programming and advertising opportunities, please visit us at robertsmediagroup.co.